Football debates, hot takes, and analysis our way. With compas and a carne asada, this is Football Asada. Welcome home. Hi right, guys, welcome back. Another episode of Football Asada. We got the gang back finally two weeks in a row. And today we have yes, a very, yo, very yo, special yo. guest, Filippo Silva, aka Tactical Manager, visiting us today in the studio. How you doing, Filippo? Doing good. I feel like I'm a bit in a hostile territory right here. <laughs> You're at the Azteca podcast right now. You're at the Azteca right now, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, just to let you guys know, I'm not one bit intimidated, and I will come after every <laughs> single one of you besides talking today. Okay. None of <laughs> you are safe. Even though you're on your podcast, I don't care right it's now. It's all we need, though. It's all we need. All right, cool. So today we're going to talk about dual nets. I know we got a couple on that USMNT roster, and um, we could talk about the scope of it, any upcoming ones, some to look out for. So let's get it kicked off. I think we should kick off with that USMNT roster. I want to start off with the one I'm more scared about, Jonathan Gomez. I know he's on there. He's probably going to get some minutes either versus Serbia versus uh, Colombia. So what do you guys think? My boy, Jogo. I'm, I'm going to be straight up. I think it's going to be a – I mean, we Mexico has a lot of left backs. I, I ran, Not a lot. We have a couple. Artiaga, we have Aceves, I guess, Omar Campos. But still getting that – or getting Jogo like to go to US is gonna affect us because that's that's one person gone. Like he's already playing in Europe. He's looking like promise a promising left back. Like, I don't know. I feel like if US gets him, bro, I'm gonna be mad a little bit. Wait, you said a bunch of names. I who are they? <laughs> this, who? <laughs> We're starting early. We're starting early. <laughs> We're starting early. All right. Omar Campos, I feel like he's what one of the best left backs in the league IMX right now. I would say, right? And then uh, left back, Aceves, he plays for Real Oviedo, but, or he went back to Liga MX right now. But no, I heard, he's not. Nah, he's not he, back in Liga MX. He stayed he in got, Europe. He stayed? No. Where, where Rafa Marquez is trying to sign him for Barcelona. Oh, yeah, to Barca, in yeah, the third Barca. division, though, and he's 22. Yeah. That's dumb. That doesn't make any that's sense. The, if you're going to yeah. Barcelona B. That's not a good, that, that's not a good look, man. <laughs> it, it, it's really one of those cases with Jonathan Gomez where, it's more about we don't know how good he's going to be, right? He could not ever be good for Mexico or the United States. And right now, he, in fact, is not right yeah, now. He's still developing. Yeah, but we never know. He's 19. Um, good thing the United States actually qualified to the youth tournaments. You guys didn't. Um, and we can actually use that to recruit him. Uh, well, I don't know what happened in Mexico there. But, yeah, go back to the other left backs you mentioned. And uh, who who did we go? Who do we say? Oh, and Arteaga. Arteaga plays Ar- in Jack Ar- first. First place in his league. He's he's always a starter. I mean, right now our whole back line is in Europe from the Olympics. Well, besides, well, I think I didn't go to Olympics, but he would have been the starter too. But yeah, I mean, that's our three top, I guess, top left backs, I would say. If, we're, if I'm missing any, I don't know if I'm missing any. I think, I think um, no, yeah. But I think, I think Filippo does bring up an interesting point about Jogo because everybody does, like we all, you know, we all hype him up and he, he is a quality player. He's shown it. But at the same time, we remember, like, he hasn't really played first division ball. Like, he was with Charlotte. I mean, not Charlotte. Sorry. He was with, uh, was it Louisville? Blue City. Yeah, he was with Louisville. Blue City, yeah. yeah. So that's that's a USL team, not technically first division. And then he went over to Real Sociedad B. And he's not, he hasn't uh, had any, like, he's trained with the first team. I don't think he's, I think he's been called up. But I don't think he had a La Liga debut yet. I think he traveled with uh with them preseason, if I'm not mistaken. I mean... He's still brought, he's still very young, bro. Like, I mean, again, like, you, we didn't expect him to go from USL to starting left back at Real Sociedad. This, it's, it's a, yeah, well, it's impossible. Well, no, I'm saying like, well, it's still like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. I feel like he still needs time to develop. I mean, I think, I, in my opinion, he's, he's a beast, bro. I feel like he's a beast. So the, the thing with him, it's again, it's really just, because you don't know how good he'll be because I, I even did a I, I had a topic like that about the Americans at least and he's not my highest rated U20 left back for the US right and he's probably not the highest rated U22 or U20 left back for Mexico either no, I don't um, think so. and, and I think Caleb Wiley from Atlanta United is more promising than um, Jonathan Gomez Caleb Wiley actually started at age 17 an entire MLS season that is better than USL that is probably better than Real Sociedad B. 
He looks stronger and as technical. And you look at players like you talked about Arteaga. Arteaga is what, 22 only? 20. So that's not much older than Jonathan Gomez. That's two, three years. So they'll probably have the same amount of years left in their career. So it, he's not one of those dual nationals that's um, crucial for any of the national teams, but you never know how good he's going to be. I think for the United States, he might even be more important because I do think we struggle to recruit Mexican-Americans. Um, and the way to change that is to recruit more Mexican-Americans. It's to win more battles there. Winning Ricardo Pepe alone doesn't help. Also, when your dumbass coach leads them out of the World Cup, it doesn't help at <laughs> yeah, all. That shit's crazy. But, but again... I think for the U.S., that's very important, and he'll be a good depth piece, especially because our left-back position, it's terrible, the depth on it, right? We have A-Rob, and then we literally have no one, no one else after. Yeah. You have to play like Dest on the left-back. <laughs> so even Acosta played there at one point. It was, it was weird. So I think it's that. Jonathan Gomez, yeah, there's a little bit of a dual national hype on the player. Mm-hmm. He has the talent, but he hasn't really done anything to earn an actual call-up to either national team right now, besides the youth teams. The youth teams, yes, he's earned it. Mm-hmm. But senior team, it's one of those that people call him more because he's a dual yeah. national than anything else. 100%. Chris? Um, as far as, I mean, the way Mexico and the U.S. are built, I think any loss of a dual nat is not a good thing. Like, no matter what. Like, we're not Brazil or Argentina or France that has, like, all this depth in Europe at one position. Like, if there's a potential for a player like Jonathan Gomez who could potentially be playing Champions League ball or Europa League ball in two, three years, like, we have to, both teams, like, need to have that type of player. Like, we don't, like Filippo was saying, we don't know if he's going to be that, but I don't think either team can afford the risk of, like, losing a player like that. Losing him, even if he doesn't reach that potential. Like, um, like I said, we're not the best teams in the world. Like, Arteaga, let's be honest, like, for us, he's good, I guess. But in, at the end of the day, he's just a Belgian league left back. Like Anthony Robinson is just a left back for Fulham. We're not talking about like, like oh, we have Alfonso Davies from Bayern. We're good. We're set. And we have a backup that plays at another elite team. Like we don't. And Omar Campos, like what, what is he right now? He's just a left back for Santos in the Mexican league. So he has more potential, I think. But again, like we don't really know what they'll develop into. So I don't think you can afford to lose any of the dual nats. So for me, it's kind of a problem as a Mexico fan seeing Jogo, Zendejas, and Brandon Vasquez on the U.S. roster. Like that should be worrying for Mexico. I think it's more worrying that, that Brandon Vasquez said he didn't even get like contacted a by the call FMI. from Mexico. Yeah, that shit's like, crazy, bro. Like, like who does Mexico have as striker? Like we took fucking Funes Mori. Henry Martin, like a 15% Raul Jimenez, but we're not going to call up one of the most potent strikers in MLS right now. And, and Raul is not going to get better. Yeah, he's only going to get And Raul's not going to get better. Like, he's on his way down. Like, yeah. the, those three strikers I think he's going like, to over the last year haven't been anywhere near, like, um, as informed as Brandon Vasquez. We don't even give him a call. Like, that seems like a problem. So. And then Zendaya. Mori have a hat he trick? Started, yeah, respect Funes Mori. He scored a hat trick yesterday. He, yeah, he scored a hat nah, bro. Come on now. Nah, he's <laughs> on the comeback. If Piojo gets the manager wait, job, wait, wait, wait. he wants to call up Funes Mori. What's up, bro? I forgot, dude. <laughs> I, I forgot. forgot but I just know he played Atletico San Luis, guys. He played Atletico San Luis. Yeah, That's like hey, San Luis isn't that bad. They got David Ochoa, even though he it's doesn't like, get called up, but. They got to go out with a couple good players. That's, 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 that's another goal. To do now, we need to come back to. We'll come back. Not even, we already won that, but he doesn't yeah. play. No, and he I has know. like attitude problems yeah. too. That's not a good sign. Um, but with Jonathan I, I Gomez though, with Jonathan Gomez, I think we already lost Jogo the moment we lost to Guatemala. That's what oh, I think. Man, that's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. I, I think, I think, well, I, I was here actually. You're talking about the Guatemala game in Orlando or the U20? U20. Yeah, the U20. Because he played Guatemala here yeah, too, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, him and Marcelo Flores were here. I agree with you. I think I, I always talk about this and people don't really understand me, especially you, Hattrick Chris. Especially you, Chris. <laughs> but, but I'd say youth tournaments, youth tournaments really don't matter like when you win it. And I still stick to that, right? I still stick to that. Even the U.S. playing the U20 World Cup. In what sense though? In what sense don't they matter? 
I mean, it's more for for U.S. and Mexico nowadays. It's good for recruiting purposes, right? You go to Jonathan Gomez or you go to, for example, Canadian-American Luca Coleosha and you go, hey, do you want to play the U-20 World Cup? We can offer you that. And it doesn't mean he'll commit to your team, but at that moment, he'll have to file a one-time switch if he wants to go to another team. He will be semi-committing, right? He's getting into a relationship with you. Doesn't mean he's married yet. So it's a start, and that's the importance. Mexico didn't qualify. Canada didn't qualify. So that is an advantage for the United States, for any young dual national right now. But then again, some dual nationals just have their minds made up. They don't care. They they rather play for a national team for their own specific reasons. But players like Jonathan Gomez that are they, – they at least – that's I talked to Jonathan Gomez, actually. I had him on the channel. He seems to be 50-50. If he is 50-50, any small detail like a U-20 World Cup and Olympics that you can offer, that can play a role. I, I think when it comes to that stuff, I think it's just like whatever, whatever team gives you the opportunity, bro. Because like I'm pretty sure they just want to play national team ball. Like They want to re- represent a country. And uh, like U.S., they have they have stuff to offer. Mexico doesn't right now. And like how you said, like those small details, fuck, dude. I mean, it's I would also, take it, bro. There's also this factor, like sometimes they, um, this, I don't know what, what the case is, uh, what this case is for many players. There's some that grew up Mexico fans. There's some that probably grew up U.S. fans. I wonder how much like that plays into their decision. Like probably uh, a lot. I feel like sometimes opinion. they won't pick based on their career. Just more like their own fandom, I guess. Like if that ever plays a role, like. Like, for example, if I was a fucking pro soccer player, I would rather play one game for Mexico than play 100 for the United States, and I could represent both. Like, And I say that as not a pro, so maybe it's easy for me to say that, but I'm just saying, like, I wonder if some players feel like that. Well, Chris, to your what you said, I, I've talked to a lot of these dual nationals, and a, a lot of them, the, the thing is, they never really say 100% the truth yeah. right, when they're talking publicly. Because they need to leave both opportunities open. Yeah. Despite the U.S. and Mexico being similar levels, sometimes one national team needs a player in that specific position. So you're going to get a better opportunity playing for that country rather than the other one. And it's better to guarantee a national team than to, you know, pick Mexico. And then they have so many right backs and you never play. And you're like, damn, I could have at least played for the United yeah, States. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it just on the opportunity, bro. Like, literally, opportunity. Like, if let's say how you said like left backs, bro, like we have a couple. Let's how you said U.S. doesn't have a lot of left backs. We exactly. The U.S. So Jogo will be like, all right, I can easily be, become that second like soon. And for Mexico, I have to beat these other guys to get that position. Yeah. Like people, are, he's like, if I was Jogo, I'm like, all right, fuck, I can play for U.S. Soon. Yeah, I also think these dual national battles, they really depend on who you're battling with. Like U.S. and Mexico is a bit different, right? There's a bit more emotions to it. A lot of the Mexican-Americans, a lot of the Mexican-Americans are actually American raised and born, but Mexican ties. While when you go to dual nationals and, and the national teams are very similar in terms of level and their rivals, it's a bit different when it's, um, let's say, a Brazilian-American, for example, right? Like Johnny Cardoso. Let's be honest here, okay? And I've said this to Americans multiple times. If for, if Johnny is or ever becomes good enough for Brazil, he would never pick the U.S. It's it's simply that. Mexican-Americans, you can still see them conflicted. Um, even if they're better for one or another, you can still feel like David Ochoa, he picked Mexico. I, I still think he had a good chance with the United States on at least making the roster because he already was. Uh, Julian Araujo. He could have made our roster. I mean, we're calling freaking Shaq Moore and Yedlin. <laughs> yeah. right? I yeah. understand that Dest and Scali, Dest and Scali are a challenge, but we brought Yedlin and Shaq Moore to the World Cup. We definitely could have used Julian Araujo instead of one or the other. Yeah. So I think Yedlin was going to go regardless, though, because I think he, uh, Berhalter so loves him. World Cup experience. How did that help? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. Cool. So now we have, and then the other two. Uh, Doing that we have for the USMT the forwards is Sendejas and Vasquez, which Sendejas, first Zendejas. of all, that's all Zendejas, on bro. FMF for screwing the pooch with the contract or whatever they were trying to make him sign. I don't know what it is, but I mean, like, you just could, what a way to like completely bottle having like a, a good winger, 
Like, you know, if someone who he won, he won, uh, I think he won Liga MX in 2017 with Chivas. Now he's with Club America. I mean, like, uh, like he, he, I mean, who do we have on the wing? Uriel Antuna? Like, Antuna Alvarado. Uh, Piojo Alvarado. Like, <laughs> I would 100 times prefer having Sendejas there than having Piojo Alvarado. My boy. We already saw it. Have you seen his love foot, bro? This the goal he scored Saturday, banger, dude. Dude, banger. dude who could do that on the Mexican national team besides Luis no Chavez? No one. No one could shoot a long shot except Chavez. Bro, I swear. I swear. Is, the other day, the other oh, day. My, that no, man doesn't even play, bro. He's about to go back to Liga <laughs> no, Mexicana or become a DP. DP. I still think Linus should go to Major League Soccer. That's, that's never happening, Felipe. You tweet it every day. It's not gonna happen. I think you should come to Galaxy, I'm gonna, bro. I'm going to say it so much. I'm just going to tweet it so much that some random MLS team is going to be like, the fans must really want him. Let's pay him $10 million a year, and he'll I'm go. Going to, I will only celebrate that if he goes to Galaxy. And yeah, see, if he that, comes to Galaxy, I'm down. If Cabral got a DP contract, yeah. that's what Linus can. You know be poetic? If Diego Linus came to Orlando City. Oh, no. yes, nah, I would never watch MLS. Something I don't know. <laughs> I'd uh, cancel my Apple TV Plus membership. No, but going back to Zendaz, bro, <laughs> I made a video about him, right, the other day, saying like, or it was or for the Cabra account, saying like, oh, we like we would have, we I think we hundred percent lost Zendaz, and everyone in the comments is like, ah, who cares? He like he's not that good or whatever, like you know he it's has just, whatever. And two days later, bro has an amazing game. People are commenting Damn. like, yo, what the fuck? We, we lost Zendaz. Like what you just described is the it, it's something that always happens when a country loses yeah. the national. The player is never good enough after. Yeah, it's, al- it's always um, that after after the any country they lose the dual national right after they lose him is like yeah he wasn't good enough for us and it's like what are you talking about he could have been in our roster. For, like, I think for Pepe that's what we started doing. Ah, he wasn't he's not that good. We did it for Araujo yeah. too, and I literally at the time said, guys, sure it, it's not maybe not the biggest loss. You do have Dest and Scali there. Yeah. But he could compete with them, and he's better than Shaq Moore and Yedlin, so it is a loss. But they're like, no, he's not. He's never going to be good enough. So yeah. Sure, never, yeah, it's always it's always thing. like that. Same crap. Every time they lose a player, fuck. I mean, for Pepe, bro, that could have been another piece, bro. That could have been an amazing it. piece, dude. He's just falling out. Imagine, imagine right now having Santi Jimenez in Europe and fucking Pepe. Pepe. That so would have been perfect for pool, us. That would have been insane. That would have been perfect for us. Is these Texas boys? They're not choosing us, bro. That's why I think. I swear, bro. The Cali they're boys not- are though. We got the Cali boys, but the Texas boys ain't messing with us, dude. Papi, Zendejas. Come on, I think Zendejas though could have made the U.S. and Mexico World Cup yeah. roster over like Piojo Alvarado. How did he go to the World Cup? I still don't yeah. get that, bro. Yeah. Doesn't Antuna, make any sense. That's insane to me. How much do you guys Zendejas. think Mexico? I actually have a question since yeah. you guys follow it closer whoever wants to answer can go ahead. How much do you think some Mexico call-ups are more due to marketing than actual quality? Look, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't really try to feed into that. And, and obviously you guys can, can give a different opinion, but I, I don't, I don't know how much I like to feed into the marketing aspect of things because people be, you know, people do say, Oh, like the Levisa likes to get in Memo Choa and he likes to get in like X players and um, uh, they ultimately control I, I'm not a firm believer of that because to me, some of the most marketable players like Chicharito, Chicharito. And, 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 and you guys might not believe in this on me, but the Dos Santos brothers are super marketable to me. Mm-hmm. They're not on there. Like, you know, Jonathan no. got cut off mid world cup. Uh, um, no, he, I think he was cut before world cup qualifying. I don't think he played a minute in world cup. Qualifying. I don't even know, but I was going to say that for marketing, bro, if they, if they cared so much about marketing, they would have called up Chicha and they would have brought Marcelo Flores Right behind him. But didn't Chicharito didn't Chicharito bring up something about the Federation have to pay the players more? No, I, I he well I, no one knows what it's true. He had like a scandal. Yeah, he had a scandal, but um he, I mean Chicharito came out and said that he actually said to the Federation to give the money to the youth. So no one I mean we don't know what's true because if Chicharito's saying that the money that he was gonna receive was gonna get, get given to the youth, but then people are saying that Chicharito wanted more money. Then we don't like we don't like we don't know what the fuck is like actually happening. But at the same time, Chicharito had a scandal. We know what it is, majority. But I don't know. I think it was just a conflict with Tata Martino because I don't know. It's kind of weird no, to me that he I, didn't get. I, I, I do believe in the marketing, bro. I do believe it because how the fuck do we have like like seven players from Monterrey and like only one of them is good? Like 
that's one of the most like profitable teams in the league, and we probably look fucking the worst of the worst of that team. It makes no sense. But, but Monterrey, Monterrey does. That's the thing, though. Regios don't really care about the Mexican national team. Like you go on Monterrey and Tigres Twitter, they don't care. They, they do though. Monterrey when they, when is their fans do care when they see their players on the national team. Yeah, exactly. When they see the players on their national team, but I don't think Monterrey, like as the state, is marketable huge enough to be marketable and be like, let's target specifically Monterrey. In terms of marketing, though, I do. Mexican football is corrupt, bro. Like I think you're. I agree 100%. What I do, what I do have criticisms for is 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 Mexico's contract with with Soccer United. Market. Why are we playing uh, Guatemala uh, for World Cup preparation, or why are we playing uh, Antigua and Barbados for our uh, uh, world? Like, wh- yeah, why are we? Why why are, get that confidence? Why up. don't we have? Oh, we're not playing Germany. I mean, well, now we are, but that's. I think that's because the German uh, association reached out and wanted to play. Yeah, against Germany Mexico wanted to play with us. And why, you know, and it doesn't even have to be Germany, but you know, it could be playing the Polands of the world, the Croatias of the world, the you know, uh, teams that are still able to compete on a world stage. Uh, um, and, uh, and and instead of you know relying on playing Peru, Colombia, those are two teams that did not qualify for the World Cup. Well, we're, I think what Mexico is also doing wrong, we're always playing shit as fucking bump teams that are like hundred fiftieth level from all countries. Like you guys are horrible. And we're playing against them and beating them 3 0. I mean, fuck. I mean, I, like, we get hyped up, but like, it's so stupid, bro. We shouldn't be. A- to be fair, Colombia would probably top CONCACAF. Yeah. Or, I mean, no, well, Colombia, no Colombia, Colombia was a good friendly, bro. They have these Diaz. They have fucking like, like good fucking players. Sinistera plays there, the Cuadrado. So they, they, they can actually. Colombia is fine. But yeah, I get the point of like other. And, and the same goes for the US, right? Same goes for the US. Yeah, I think it's a CONCACAF problem. I think there. Uh, I don't know which coach was it, but he actually said like if he if he gets the mantle for the the soccer or for uh, the selección mexicana, he wants to eliminate all those friendlies. Like he just wants to play top, loco, like top thirty nations for friendlies. Like that's what he said. And so you guys like, like him as a coach? Would you take him? I don't know. I heard. I heard. Wait, I don't know if it's true, but he wanted like. J- Jimmy under him or some shit. Like, Jimmy, yeah. Rafa, well, yeah, but, Jimmy and Rafa. Loco Bielsa was the manager at Leeds before Jesse Marsh came in. And 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 uh, Filippo, I know you follow Marsh a lot. I see you uh, tweet whenever Leeds is playing. Um, I don't know if you saw Leeds before before Marsh came in, but they weren't in good form. Like they, 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 he got fired I mean, for a reason. I mean, he got he got them promotion, right? He got them. Pro- yeah, he got them promotion. The thing with Bielsa was he made Leeds better. They got promoted. They had a fantastic first season in the Premier League. I think they finished ninth, which is amazing for the roster they have. Uh, what the Leeds fans are saying, because I, I didn't follow Leeds that much under Bielsa. I followed it as much as I followed the Premier League. So I knew what was going on. I knew their players. Um, I was following along Hafinha mostly. But the thing with Leeds was what the fans are saying is they've looked worse under Marsh. When Bielsa took over, he made Leeds better. When Marsh took over, they kind of stagnated or are a bit worse. That's what they're saying. Um, we do know also in England there's a bit of an anti-American sentiment, so it could be a little bit of that, right? Like Marsh was called Ted Lasso as soon as he arrived. So, But but I think Bielsa is a good coach. Um, the thing with national team is a bit odd, right? It's about the coach fitting the player pool he has, adapting, understanding the player pool he has. So it's a bit complicated with national teams. And you also don't have that much time with your players. So if you try to run well-elaborated tactics in the system like Greg Berhalter tried, it doesn't really go well. It looks very pragmatic. I guess Tata Martino, too, to a certain extent. Mexico looked very boring a lot of times. So it's a bit different. When it's national team, it has to be more free-flowing, right? You can't have that many. You don't have much time. Like club level, you have a whole year every day with the teams. You have a preseason. What do you have for the World Cup? You have a week to prepare. What do you have for Gold Cup? A couple of days, a couple of friendlies. You can't really implement a tough system. So it depends if Bielsa is going to do something like that or not. He is an ideologue, though. That that can be a problem. Yeah. And I, I 100% agree. Um, and that's, that's actually interesting that we walk right into this topic because it's something I wanted to bring up. Gold Cup. Now, like it, you know, we we know that happened the last one. I don't want to. I don't. I've never watched the recap. I don't want to think about that game. I never want to ever ever see Mexico in those pink jerseys ever again. They're cursed. But 
Um, neither the U.S. nor Mexico have a have a coach. Like we're both we're both uh, kind of free falling right now. That is so. true. We both don't have a coach right now. Well, I mean, they haven't said anything about Greg. Go as for the Gold Cup, though, like even if we don't have a coach, that tournament is like it's it's I guess important in the sense that you get experience for your players. But when you win it, what does it really mean? Like being the Gold Cup champion has only meant you're a round of sixteen waiting to happen, exit waiting to happen. I, I feel like both teams, or maybe not, maybe the U.S. is already a young team, but at least as far as for Mexico, Mexico. I mean, I, I, I guess it applies to the U.S. as well. Like I feel like that tournament should be used for like younger players. You, like the U.S. proved last time, yeah. you could win the tournament with younger players. You don't need the senior team to win it. Well, we had we didn't have younger players. We had washed up MLS veterans. That shit's crazy to yeah, me. Yeah, it was. Remember, it was the, the players we had were Zardes, Ariola, Leget played. Roldan was there. Um, Zimmerman was there, and then he got injured. It was mostly a lot of old guys. Shaq Moore, not too old, but you you get what I'm saying. Uh, the thing with Gold Cup is when you really look into it, the U.S. and Mexico don't really face actual competition that can prepare them for any anything until they face each other. And I guess now Canada can be included in that too even though they got zero points in the World Cup. Congratulations, Canada. Yeah, at least you scored a goal. Uh, at least it was Davies, to the, be honest. The champions, the champions of CONCACAF, the self-claimed champions of CONCACAF, got no points in the World Cup. But the, the, the main thing of the Gold Cup is that's it. So if you're going to prioritize one or another, you might as well prioritize the Nations League, where you're going to play just two games, and you're probably going to play Canada, Costa Rica, or Honduras and Mexico or the U.S. Those teams and and it'll be more competitive and quick. Gold Cup, I'm with that. I would probably bring a U23 team, let them play, see how they do, um, and and prioritize other tournaments. Like we're probably going to play all of us, right? The U.S., Mexico, play the Copa America in 2024. That will be valuable. Gold Cup is not very valuable, right? There's no point on beating up Martinique. Um, Grenada, what, whoever plays, right? Whoever makes it this time, there's it doesn't help at all. Yeah, we we need to call the youth, bro. Because I mean, for especially for Mexico, bro. If we wanna if we wanna fucking get those dual nets in, bro, we have to take them soon, bro. Like we're not gonna have any youth tournaments. Like I feel like that's a that's a question I wanted to bring up for you guys as of right now, because it is true that we don't know what most of these guys are gonna be. But for you guys, what do you who do you think is the most important Mexican American that your national team needs oh. to lock down? Like as of right now, because obviously we don't know how good they're gonna be. But like as of right now, who do you think is that one Mexican American we need? And I say we as in like U.S. or Mexico. Like who do you need? I have a good one actually. I forgot about him because he hasn't played in a while because he got injured for Sounders. I'm gonna say Obeda Vargas started in the CCL final at 16. Did good, bro. He's a beast. I'll take him for Mexico any day. He said he's 50-50 still. He grew up watching Mexico, but he just played for the U.S. youth national teams. Whoever yeah. picks him up, though, that's a, good, that's a good pickup. Yeah, I don't think there's one that's standing out right now uh, at this point for any of the national teams. I, like I said, I think for the U.S., it's more about recruiting more Mexican-Americans because eventually there could be a Mexican-American that is at a very high level and both teams are fighting for and if you have more Mexican-Americans that you recruited, it does increase your odds of getting it. Well, Mexico already has that benefit because, I mean, it is Mexico and the soccer culture is much stronger than the United States. The ties with the family, everything's much stronger. It's easier for Mexico to recruit a guy than the United States. We have to actually convince them. Well, sometimes Mexico doesn't have to do much because the father and the mother just want them to play for Mexico. And the kid grew up watching L3. I don't know. I'll say... I'll say Jonathan Gomez because of our left back situation, but I think all are equally as important. I was going to say Brendan Vasquez because we need a nine, but I think Brendan Vasquez is the U.S. to lose at this point. Mexico hasn't really contacted him. He's with the national team. Um, has also a lot of strong ties to the United States, right? Maybe more than even Mexico, Brendan Vasquez. So I'll go Jonathan Gomez because of that. Uh, Zendeja is important. They're all equally as important, but I just think that we're crap on the left back position. I mean, yeah. we talked about it. we have a Rob after a Rob. You have to put a right back there. Yeah. So I'll put it that way. This is more of a personal preference, and I, I'd really want him on here. 
Our, uh, Alex Mendez. I, I think, I mean, he's like, a, he's, you know, 22. I think he turns 23 this year. Um, but he's, he, he's only played, I think, U.S. youth teams. But he, he's, he's good to revolutionize the midfield, especially with Hector Herrera saying that he wants to go for 2026. Like, I, I just that's need, just crazy to me, bro. I need bro. a midfielder to come in and be like, nah, nah, like enough of that noise. Like, you know, like scoot over. I need any time. So I think Alex Mendez, um, he's been doing he's been doing well with Vicela in uh, Portugal. Um, other than that, I, there's a, there's also also another like maybe a couple like not too long ago, Richie Ledesma, but I think he's a little too irregular with with uh, PSV right now for me to really. He hasn't played at all, right? He never plays. He plays with John no, Pierce in the never. second team. Well, and, and then he occasionally gets like those like five minutes with the first team, yeah. which I don't like. It might be he might get a sweat in the game. Yeah, but I, for me, it's Alex Mendes. I'm going to say Jogo because he's my guy, bro. I, I don't want to lose him, bro. I don't want to lose him. If we guy. lose him, I think we'll be chilling, bro. We'll be chilling, but it's my boy I mean, Jogo. I don't want to lose him either, but I think we'll be chilling. I mean, like I said, I already think we lost him because we didn't qualify, but. I think we're chilling with our fullbacks, left and right. Man. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think we lost them, bro. I think we're. I think we're still in the run with for, for him. I'm gonna. I was gonna say. Keep in mind that if Jonathan Gomez is not, eventually doesn't become good enough for the U.S., he likely won't be good enough for Mexico either. Yeah, hundred percent. Because, like I said, making the starting on the U.S. left back might be tough because A. Rob is playing at a high level, but making the U.S. roster as a left back ain't that hard. Yeah, exactly. So starting for the U.S., sure, that'll be hard for him. But making the roster, if he can't make the U.S. roster at the left back, probably can't make the Mexican roster at the left back. I mean, shit, dude, who knows? Like, he can develop into a beast. That's how we don't know. Like, that's how we can't lose any of them, bro. Because if well, one of them just become fucking beast, then you're fucked. Well, I mean, look at uh, look at uh, Adrian Gonzalez's brother, uh, uh, Poncho Gonzalez. Um, Jonathan Gonzalez? Like, yeah, Jonathan Gonzalez. Like, he... he like you know, everybody, we, we we were having this conversation just a couple of years earlier. We'd we'd be like, Filippo and Chris would be tooth and nail fighting each other right now over over <laughs> over Jonathan. But I mean, like, what happened? Like you know, he came to Mexico and then he just at the club level completely flopped. He picked the wrong national team. That's what happened. <laughs> no, he, yeah, he completely flopped. Like he just. Yeah, where, where is he now? Uh, San Luis, Minnesota. I think he's in Minnesota or something. He went to Minnesota, yeah. He's in MLS. He's in the retirement league. Wait, which one of them? They're both becoming into retirement leagues, bro. Mexico, uh, not Mexico, Liga Mekis and MLS, they're kind of like going together now. Everything one does, the other tries to I think League's Cup 2026. They're going to become one league. League's Cup 2026 will have like Ronaldo, Messi. They'll probably bring Wayne Rooney, bring him out of his coaching position to play. Yeah, what you guys are not noticing with Liga Mekis is... The United States or, or MLS, they're literally sabotaging Mexican soccer at this point because they're getting this connection with Liga Mekis. You guys are not competing with the best teams in the world. You're competing with MLS. You don't send your players abroad while MLS is sending all of the Americans abroad. Every single one of them, they're just like, go, go. If you don't work, come back, go. And Mexico just stays with that level of Liga Mekis, MLS. Our players are all going abroad. Even, even the ones that are not that great, we're still sending them and let them yeah, like let him fucking see what happens, bro. We sent Cole Bassett to to Netherlands, and he tried one club, tried another, didn't work. Now he's back in MLS. James Sands will probably be back. Doesn't matter. We're sending them and seeing how they do. Well, that, yeah, I feel like, I, I think we do rec- we do recognize it, but it's just the league that like the 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 higher ups, the boards, whatever you want to call it. Money is a priority. I mean, Pachuca are asking six million for a twenty-seven-year-old Luis Chavez. I mean, Porto probably won't pay that. Cruz Azul was wanted what eight million for for a what twenty whatever year old Uriel Antuna. That's insane. To Palantianco, I don't know how to say that name. It's because they want they wanted that much. Is because uh, they only had fifty percent of his card, so they had to split the money with Chivas. So that's why they wanted more money. That, that's not you know that's not that great club's fault. You know they they're gonna. 100% like bro we like like even if I, we think Uriel Antuna shit he was going to go to the first place team of the league like and Pineda uh, has like five goals six goals in that league it's not a bad league but but look at it this way too with Liga Mekis that I see a problem the problem is and, and again this is what I notice right I don't follow it as close as you guys I don't follow it as close as anyone that lives in Mexico but this is 
talking from an outsider point of view, I see a lot of the management focusing on short-term profits, what they can make money now, what they can earn money now, and not really looking into the future. Because if Mexico starts to really develop to their potential, which if it's their potential, I'm not going to say Brazil or Argentina, but I can see them developing at least to a Colombia level, which to be honest, I don't think Mexico is at that level of development. I don't see Mexico developing a Luis Diaz, a James Rodriguez, a Cuadrado, right? Maybe if, maybe in the past, you guys did have players at that level. Rafa Marquez was one of them. Go back Hugo Sanchez many, many, many years ago. Chicharito was a high level. But it looks like it's lower than ever. If you become a proven market that you develop players, you make more money by selling them. Look at Brazil. They'll sell any 18-year-old for 20, 30 million, even if he's not proven. Hendrik was like 70. Uh, now there's the, the Stevon might be 20 or 30 million to, to PSG. Danilo from Palmeiras was 20 million. They so, just saw on potential now. Exactly. But it's a proven market. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's good. Like, they prove themselves in Europe. That's, that's why they can sell in that high fucking milli, bro. It's worth the risk, right? Europeans are willing to, hey, let's risk at it. Most Brazilians work. We'll take the risk. While Mexico is the other way around. It's like, we're not willing to pay much because most don't work out. If they did, we'd be willing to risk it a bit more. So you're talking about the $8 million. It's like, why would I invest $8 million in you? It's, it's higher risk. Like these decisions that are worth millions and millions of dollars, the clubs don't just do it like we do it in FIFA. Yeah. There is a business aspect. There is a board. There is an analysis. There is a study behind it to see what's worth paying or not. Mexico needs to increase the prestige of their market. They need to better their development. It's going to make the national team better too sell players to Europe, have them be successful, do the right thing on the development, don't hold them back. And once that happens, you'll be selling players for $20, $30 million. That'll be far more money than you make in the league in certain moments. And you'll still have a very profitable league because the the fan base is there already. But instead, Mexico takes steps back, right? You guys, correct me if I'm wrong, 2019 or 2018, that's when you became somewhat like a franchise system, Liga Mekis. It became closed, no promotion relegation. You closed out a bunch of clubs, clubs that used to be traditional, like even Tecos that won Liga Mekis in the 90s. They don't exist anymore there. How does that help Mexico in the long term? It doesn't. I don't see how it happens. It helps in the long term. It helps now, right? You create somewhat of a monopoly and it helps now. But how does it help in the long term? I don't see it. It helps the owners, but does it help Mexican soccer? Yeah. You guys can tell me if it does. It I don't see it where doesn't. it does. I think it, that's even it's even inscribed in like the um, DNA of, of like the competition within Liga Mekis because even 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 the team like team building like the clubs they don't have long term you know they don't look to find a a, a, a clear um, you know era of dominance across the league or where they're c- com- competing you know a team like Atlas will have one and then on the off chance a second very very good season and then they'll go back to just being a mediocre club because they don't you know they don't invest properly in um young players you know if you know if uh, if uh, if a 32 year old player does good for two seasons by next year he's 33 and he's uh, and a, a year isn't going to you know change much in terms of like unless you have a serious injury chisel your quality but, you know, by the time you get to that third or fourth season, you know, like those players aren't working for you anymore. And then they get sent off to like a San Luis who's who's doing the exact same thing that Atlas are, are just doing. And what two of those things, one of those two things happen is if that player happens to be Mexican and young, he's going to get sold to Chivas or, or Monterrey or Tigres for for what they for 20 million. So that's uh, that's inflating the market or. If it's if it's a uh, you know a, a foreign player, they're they're gonna go around um, you know, and, and it's not the foreign player's fault. Like you know, it, it, San Luis is over here buying Ruben Sambuesa because he's probably cheap, and you have like you know like and then the, like you know a tons. I, I know San Luis has a uh, uh, tons of youth waiting, so like that 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 continues on to the problem. Well, and, and Javi, why is Liga Mekis building a bigger and stronger relationship with MLS than ever while rejecting a Libertadores competition that's far more competitive? It will help Mexico far more playing better teams, playing teams from Brazil, Argentina. Uh, they talk about that. River Plate, in this edition of the Libertadores, they had Julian Alvarez and Enzo Fernandez playing for them. Those are two guys that started in the World Cup and won it. 
It is very competitive. And they lost in the quarterfinals with those two players. They lost. So why is Mexico building a stronger relationship with MLS than with a more competitive environment that they could play? Because they can make more money right now. Yep, exactly. That is literally the only that is the only reason. They can't come up with a BS excuse saying, no, we are going to. I mean, I'm 100% fine with them having a strong relationship with MLS. And I do think both leagues can help each other. But it isn't the most competitive environment that Liga Mekis could be a part of. Yeah, no, 100% agree. And I think it all comes down to just, I mean, they know, right? Well, when Cruz Azul play Atlas for the Campeón de Campeones here in um, Carson at Dignity Hill Sports Park. Oh, yeah. That was the, that was the most full I've ever seen the stadium. Most full and the most loudest it's ever been, bro. I swear. That stadium, that, and, and and it's not just at, at at Dignity Hill Sports Park. It's the same at the bank. Those stadiums were more full when Cruz Azul and Atlas were playing an off season trophy than when LAFC played against the Galaxy in either stadium. Yeah, I, I actually I think I think that's that's just crazy to me, bro. I I went thinking like, oh, it's gonna be. Same as the gal like the LASC Galaxy game. It's a it's gonna like it's not a rivalry. Grasula and Atlas is not a big rivalry, but just because they're here in the US, I already know it's gonna be hella people. I get to my seats an hour be- like forty minutes before the game, an hour, bro. It's already packed. Already packed. Everyone's fucking already in their seats, bearded up. Everyone just fucking chilling, waiting for the game, bro. Packed, dude, and it's loud as shit. Everyone in the stadium is cheering. And I'm, I'm like, damn, bro. Like, you know what? what? Fuck? You know what's crazy is that a lot of those people in Cruz Azul and Atlas jerseys are LA Galaxy and LAFC fans too. 100%. So, and they know that. People know that. People know that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the higher ups in Liga Yankees know that. And they know that. No, 100%. No, no one's going to want to travel to Argentina, to Brazil, to um, Ecuador, uh, uh, you know, to, yeah. to go watch, a long story to watch story. America play MLK. Long story short, we're all yeah. basically saying it's because of money. At the end of the day, it is all business, right? Soccer is entertainment. It is a business. It has to make a lot of money. Uh, but there is a bit of the the charming aspect of it, where it's like outside of the money, the passion, right? And that is 100% ignored in Liga Yankees nowadays. It's 100% ignored in Major League Soccer. And to me, at least, it's a problem. And I think that's happening in a lot of countries, actually. Unfortunately, I think they're hijacking our game yeah. at this point, but it's worse here. I can tell you that looking at the South American here, South America, there is a priority for the fans. There's a lot that's done for the fans and for the growth of sport, the country development in North America. I haven't seen it, at least I'm not seeing it right now. This is hot takes. The hotter the take, the hotter chili we got to eat. Vamos. If one CONCACAF team is to ever win the World Cup, it's going to be the United States. Mm. If one is ever Whoa. to win it in my lifetime. So I would say I'm 29. So let's just say, let's say I live till, how, how old you guys, how, how, how old am I going to die here? Anyway, 95, dark, bro. Right? Let's, let's, put, let's put 95. Let's say 70 years. If a CONCACAF nation is to win the World Cup, I only see it happening in the United States. I think Canada will actually decline after this generation. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they they'll still probably make it to World Cups, but this is their strongest one. Mexico will still always be there. They'll always be there, but I don't see Mexico breaking what they once were. They'll be at best what they once were. Maybe a quarterfinal run here and there, um, but the U.S. is the only one that has the potential to become something like that. Are they going to become something like that? The way things are ran right now, no, they're not. But one can wish, one can, one can draw. Oh, man, um, wow, that's a that's a strong one. That one's oh, yeah, like twenty fifty, they can do it, bro. The amount of talent yeah. they're pushing out. See, so it's not that hot. That, that, that's not that's not happening, bro. Bro, it'll it'll happen. I think it'll happen. There has to be a champion outside of South America or Europe, and it's probably gonna be. Look how good Portugal. Look how good Portugal, Netherlands, England. Look how good all of them are, and they haven't won either ever or in sixty years. What makes the U.S. think they're gonna win in thirty when they're so far behind? Who even knows, bro? Got, does it doesn't matter. Got the Premier League level. What? How does that guarantee them a World Cup? Well, wait, 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 Chris, Chris. But I have to look. You don't need the league to be 
at the Premier League level to win a World Cup. Well, maybe not the league, but all of England's players play in the Premier League. All of Portugal's players play in the top best league. No, no, but, but Chris, let's, let, let me shift your narrative because what you're saying is right. Right now we're very far, but let's do this. How much have we closed that gap in the past 20 years? A lot. A lot. Like, so if, if that jump happens again in 20 years, And then again in 20 years, why is 30, 40 years not too crazy? Right now, we're very far. Right now, we're very far from even a semifinal run. That is already too far. You are right about that. But the thing is about trajectory. So Mexican soccer has, it, it almost seemed like Mexico has peaked. We've seen Mexico with better days. Is Mexico going to bounce back? Absolutely. They're going to have better teams than they had now. But the U.S., it, it's it's still it's been for since 1994 in an upward trajectory until we've seen that change or flatten. We can still keep saying it's going to improve. We're going to improve, going to improve. Um, but yeah, the thing with when he says 30 years, that's like two to three new generations. Yeah. Right. Infrastructure that 30 years is older than what MLS is right now. MLS is 26 years old. So 30 years is like doubling the lifetime of MLS um USL like the guy who's probably gonna lift the World Cup right now for the USA he's probably not even born yet dude like two generations they're gonna be some talent coming out there has to be a top talent Morocco their league sucks Croatian league not that good they made the semifinal both of them I don't think leagues matter Argentina's not that good either the league nowadays oh it's not that nah, I mean I think USA and Mexico can the MLS and Liga Mexicana can compete with the Argentinian league. Yeah, and they just won the World Cup. Here's the thing with me: is Morocco. That's that's crazy because that, that kind of brings up an argument of, of a counter argument to my point is uh, Morocco to me is an, an enigma, right? Like uh, a calf is not a, a I'd say competitive. Well, actually, no. You know what? I'm going to backtrack on that. Uh, uh, the, the the African Confederation of Football is, I think, to me, is pretty competitive. Like there's. Teams on there with high quality players are Senegal, Cameroon. Um, at some point in history, uh, Ivory Coast, and I, I, I'm sure they'll produce a nice batch of uh, players to come out and compete again. Um, you know, Morocco, I think, is a result of of it of you know th them being like grinded through the gears, and they came out and they came out a very polished side in the World Cup. And, and you know what? I don't think Africa has ever been that close to you know World Cup contention. And I think it's a one-off thing. Um, but I see a plateau with the U.S. And, and it's the same with Mexico, right? I think based solely off just the competition we're accustomed to. Because the U.S., sure, sure like the, the quality of players can continue to grow. But I don't think the quality of the competition will. So I, I, what I see there is, is you know, um, France, uh, Arge even Argentina. I mean, Comebol is, uh, to me, is still extremely difficult. Uh, but but France and Spain and and England and Germany they 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 polish up against each other, and how are you really going to you know measure that level of your national team if you're if you're not constantly you know punching up punching above your weight? Javi, I think it. This is my question to you. I think it depends on how far you guys think MLS can go in terms of development, because what's going to happen. What's going to happen is the U.S. can only call 26 players to a World Cup, right? MLS is stacked with dual nationals from all over Central America, North Canadian Americans, El Salvador, Salvadorian Americans, Mexican Americans, Honduran Americans, everywhere, everywhere. If the U.S. improves its level, I'm not too worried about Mexico because they'll continue to be at bare minimum what they are or a bit better. So I'm not too worried about Mexico. But if the U.S. continues to improve, a lot of these dual nationals will have to branch out. And some of them will be very good. You've seen already how MLS has improved CONCACAF more than it has improved the U.S. so far. So, so what can happen is if the U.S. gets very good, becomes better and better, and MLS continues to develop more and more players and USL, a lot of these dual nationals will have to play for their other national teams. And they might be competitive enough. Right now, it's not. That's 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 my wishful thinking. It's obviously overly optimistic. It could take forever. We don't know. It, de it really depends on what you guys think about MLS. How far can MLS go? That's really what it depends on. With the amount of money MLS have, I think they can become a top five league if they remove all the restrictions. If they get rid of DPs, 
they can be coming to the Brazilian Super oh, League. Oh, they're already, ready for it. Yeah, they're already exporting kind of the same like them, and the players are sending out pretty good. So the market's just going to keep growing in the United States. More yeah, teams are going to start getting added. More competition with Mexico. I think the, the MLS is though. The thing with MLS too with Liga MX, bro. Liga MX has 17 teams and MLS has what 30 something or no? 29. 29 right now. Like, bro, they have double the teams, bro. I, I mean, I, I can see ML soccer passing baseball and and I don't want to say basketball, but football is the Goliath here, right? MLS is David and football's the Goliath here. Uh, you know, how are you I going mean, to capture the attention of the Midwest and the South? Because yeah, like Char- Charlotte FC got like 100K. Uh, what was the attendance? I, please remind me. 70-something. 70K, okay. 70-something. And that was their opening game. And then what happened right after? You, I mean, has anyone heard anything about Charlotte's attendance? Or, or you know, like a lot? It's been okay. It's been okay. It, they're, they're still hitting 20,000. They, they've that's, been okay. But, but that's a sharp drop-off, right? Like from 60, 70K to yeah. back down to 20K. That's you, and For a stadium that could fit way more, Galaxy's capacity is 22K. And we... We do 16, 17K on average. Like, there's just a huge drop-off of attendance in first division soccer in, in, in Major League Soccer compared to, like, you go to England and, like, Perth or, or you know, some random, like, League 2 game club has, pack. like, game-packed people cheering on, dying for their club. I don't think that exists in, in the U.S. But I... But Javi, if I'm not mistaken, I think MLS in terms of attendance, they're top five in the world average attendance. Possibly, their average attendance is higher than Liga Mekis. It's higher than even Brazil. I think they they lose to England for sure because England they pack every game there. Um, I think they lose to Germany also. But after that, I think the average attendance of MLS is very high. Um, the problem with MLS is no one's watching it on TV. That's that's yeah. I guess all the fans are going to the stadium. The coverage the coverage on TV sucks, bro. Like, when they put MLS on through the end, it's terrible. I can't listen. I have to put it on mute. I, I, uh, Apple TV Plus is building a good roster of, of um, commentators. And they're, they're, they're really unifying. Because you was like, you either watch it through the end, ESPN. And then ESPN always does this thing where they cut soccer games early for whatever other sport they want to, they have to cover. So mm-hmm. hopefully, fingers crossed. I, I have an Apple TV subscription with my Galaxy season tickets, so. We'll see. Well, I don't even think we need to do another hot take. That shit was spicy, bro. Yeah, shout out my boy, Tactical Manager, Filippo the Goat. You guys can find me on YouTube, Tactical Manager TV, and you guys might not want to find me on Twitter, so I'll leave that out. Uh, Yeah, thank you, Filippo, for coming through, man. Anytime. We'll see you next week with more Football Asada. Make sure you guys subscribe and follow us at Cabra FC and CabraSportsHQ.com.